Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Remen Wholesale. Expand your market with Remen Wholesale's renovation and non-QM lending products. Both renovation and non-QM can make and save deals. Remen Wholesale provides the knowledge, expertise, and complete support needed to get renovation and non-QM loans to the finish line. Let Remen help you close more deals. Get connected by emailing us at partnerships at aimgroup.com today. Welcome back, everyone, to another, another, I'm telling you, it's going to be a great edition of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I am the president of AIM. Uh, once again, always excited about the guests that that we are able to get on board who take time out of their day, still in this crazy environment, uh, to to definitely help us out and, and lend their knowledge and experience. So today I'm extremely excited to announce that we have the broker owner of LBL Mortgage, Lauren Boland. Lauren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, my, my, my pleasure. We're gonna have we're gonna have fun with this one today because just even talking to you a little bit before you and I are on the same page with a lot of things. So once again, gotta hear it. How do you get into this crazy industry, but the industry that I love? <laughs> um, so I graduated from college uh, in 2002, and uh, the majority of my family are attorneys, and they all went to Loyola Law School. I went to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. The majority of my fa family went to Loyola Law School, three generations, and I really kind of thought that that was going to be my path. Um, I was going to take some time off, maybe work a little bit, see if I liked the business world. Um, that was kind of that's kind of what the path that was set. And about six months after graduation or so, I had some friends that I had gone to school with and they were making really good money and they were working at a mortgage company. And uh, I wasn't very good with math. I was a political science major. Like, I mean, you know, there's really no math in that. So I was a little intimidated, but I, I saw that they are, you know, these guys weren't the nicest guys in the world, you know, like they didn't have the charm. And so I was like, well, I'll try this. So they got me an interview and uh, I ended up getting a job at AmeriQuest. Oh, and wow. back in the day, um, so the first thing you gotta know about AmeriQuest is one, they hired only people who knew nothing about the industry. Right. Um, you, you literally, they they wanted you young, they wanted you basically dumb because you don't, you're not supposed to ask questions about what you're selling. Um, it was very closed in. Uh, we weren't allowed to do purchases, only refinances. Um, and there were always five people who wanted your job. And every day um, you could, you were told that you could be fired. So in today's standards, it would not be a human resources uh, uh, <laughs> perfect environment. And uh, you know, I like to tell people it's a, a little Wolf of Wall Street, a little boiler room. And uh, a lot of Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross. There was a lot of that that went on. Um, and I was very scared. I still remember my first day sitting down in this, in this like pen of like maybe 15 other salespeople. And there were just pony walls separating us. And everybody's hustling on the phone. And uh, it was a specific time. It was called dialing for dollars. And if you got an app, you rang this gong. And I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm supposed to call this list of people and, and so my manager's sitting next to me and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And, and he's like, you read the script. And when you get to a certain point, keep them on the phone, you know, 
say this, this, and this, and then I'll take over. I said, okay. And I was so intimidated and I literally did not think that I could do it. I was so scared. And my friends would help me after work. We would work on my script. We would work on, you know, we would call it ring, ring. And so they would pretend to be the borrower who doesn't want to talk to me and, uh, or potential borrower. Uh, so fast forward, I did well there. I made for being 24 years old, 25 years old. I made these paychecks that only people dream of. And, and I, and, and they were on the lower end compared to other people that I knew. And you have to understand back then it was such a different world. Um, there was just, just completely different and, and kind of anything goes. Um, I ended up working in two different offices. Uh, one was in Carson and the other one was in Santa Ana, California. And uh, when I was in Carson, there was one other woman there uh, with me. But when I was in Santa Ana, I was the only woman on the sales floor. And I worked my way up to the Glengarry leads, right? In a way. So oh, yeah. back then those were lending tree leads. Lending tree had just started and it came off a fax machine. So corporate would divvy these out to all the, the branches via fax. So you would literally get a hot piece of paper in your hand and you were going to call that lead because that was guaranteed an app guaranteed. And you're probably guaranteed uh, a presentation because back then you had to go in front of people. Right. You didn't do it over the phone. You, you had a three page presentation, you're in front of people and then you brought like a little package with you for them to sign. Anyways, um, at that point, um, there were a couple, uh, couple guys on the sales floor that felt that I was being unfairly treated, that I was given more than they were. Uh, a couple meltdowns happened. A couple people got fired for that. Um, but I was ready for more. I was a hundred percent bought in, uh, to AmeriQuest, to that corporate culture. They worked just 80 hours a week, you know, but you're young, you, you, you don't know any better. And, uh, and we're playing dress up by the way, because you're going and selling something that you really don't understand. Like, basically what happens after like they sign the disclosures like you have no idea like where does the money come from like you, you just don't and they don't want you to know they don't answer these questions and so you know you you put on your best brooks brothers suit and you just dress up man fake it till you make it and uh um anyways, that was that was that was back in the days when you didn't even need to be licensed no 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 you weren't as long as you were an employee of a corporation um and I will say that the man who owned this company, his name is Roland Arnell, is very experienced in the mortgage business. Um, for as terrible as I was treated for being a woman on the sales floor, he actually had a lot of women in his executive, um, you know, a branch. And uh, I know one of them still to this day, uh, just a small world of how I know uh, one of them. And, uh, you know, he was a smart guy. He was. Owen Arnell was kind of a, a little bit of a genius if you look at how he made his money. Um, it wasn't right, but you know, you got to give a little bit of credit to him. Right. Um, but at that so so I had gotten to the point where I wanted to be a branch manager. I had earned it. Like I I had the production. I put up with the 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 Thunderdome. I mean, every day you went to work, you knew you had to defend yourself. Like, because they these guys are coming at me. You know, they're trying to break me down so I'm not going to be able to sell. And you got to be tough. I mean, it, today we don't work in environments like that, really. But back then, 
that's how it was sink or swim. You know, you don't like it. There's the door. Right. Um, you know, so I wanted to be a branch manager and, uh, I wasn't part of the voice club and the uh, regional manager said so to me one day, he said, I don't even know why you're still here, Lauren. I'm never going to promote you. Wow. And when, yeah. Oh yeah. I won't say his name because he's still in this industry. Um, and I just realized like, wow, I just made a really big paycheck, which back then was somebody's yearly salary and I made it in a month. And I decide I come from a, a, a real, you know, backbone kind of family, half Irish, half Italian. Um, you don't quit, you work hard, you get everything yourself, you know? Um, and this idea of me quitting, it was so hard for me because, you know, how I was raised and I called my parents that night and I said I I'm gonna quit and they're go thank God honey you know we've been waiting for you to quit they treat you terribly and they're not gonna you know so anyways I ended up going to Europe for a couple weeks because that's what you do when you're 25 and you have a bunch of money and you want to go blow some time right and um and then I came back and I'm like I'm not gonna work and I am a worker. I found out that I was very bored after five days because all my friends were working. So what am I going to do all day? Um, so what happened was, is that then some of my friends that were with AmeriQuest and also uh, worked for a mortgage broker, we decided to start our own company because this the, the clouds had parted and there was more to AmeriQuest and the 228 that we were selling and the rates were better and you didn't have to charge as much. I mean, it was like, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Right. And um, so we did. Um, and that's a whole nother story. You know, I like to call it my Fisher Price first mortgage company because <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. We were just kids. Um, we were kids with toys and um, and we hired kids. We had about 19 uh, LOs and, uh, and a staff. We were lending in like 42 states because back then you could piggyback off of people. And, right. Um, of course it did not end well, <laughs> you know, you know. Right. Uh, but a great experience. Uh, I learned that, uh, you can't trust somebody who's the closest to you. Uh, one of my partners was, who I was very close to was stealing from us. Um, uh, like all these things that like almost your parents tell you, or a college professor tells you about owning a business. Um, so I got really, uh, schooled a long time ago about owning a business and knowing the knowing the industry because those are two different things and and i originate i love selling i do there is nothing greater than when you meet somebody who doesn't know you and they're a little skeptical about the mortgage process because maybe maybe their aunt got a a loan from ameriquest and lost her house you know what i mean like there's right. you know they have they have they have things in their head and you meet them you educate them you, you gain their trust and you do what you say you're going to do and you close the deal. Man, there's no greater feeling. Right. Know? No, I love it. It's like, it's like playing sports. Like I played sports my whole life and, and I didn't play sports when everybody got the same size trophy. I played sports when third place was some crappy metal that you threw out probably when you got home. Second place was a trophy. Maybe you would display it, but it's kind of small and wimpy. First place was a big trophy. It was so heavy. Your parents had to help you like lift it up, you know? And so that competition that I learned as a young person, you know, it, it translates into this business and it translates into sales. You, you want that win. 
And uh, and only those who played real competitive sports, I think, understand that um, at times. Uh, but anyways, um, so the crash happens and we're all scared of Dodd-Frank and we all got to go hide underneath the mortgage banker's roof because big bad CFPB is going to get us, you know, and I spent some time at a mortgage banker and I really loved the people and it was hard to make a living there because the pricing wasn't good. But when you like who you work with, you, you stay, you stay longer, you make reasons to stay. And, um, and essentially in 2015, I made the decision on January 2nd that I was going to take my broker's test for the umpteenth time. And this time I'm going to pass it, you know, this time I'm going to, I'm going to do the work that's required to pass that test. And, um, and I'm going to start, I'm going to go back out on my own and I don't quite know how this is going to look. I just know that I needed to do that. Uh, that, that there, I saw the writing on the wall and I'm not sure how much market share do we have now as brokers? We're, we're running around, I mean, numbers kind of vary, but we're running around right at that 20% range. Okay. Okay. Well, so in 2015, you know, we weren't, we weren't, we were small. And, um, so, you know, of course, whenever you leave a company, you know, you're never going to make it, they'll be back, you know, F her, you know, the whole thing, right. You're excommunicated. It's like you leave a church or something, you know? <laughs> and, um, so then I really had to make it because now they're all thinking, you know, you're going to fail. And, uh, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, you know, I'm in California. I have a DRE license. Uh, the DRE works as fast as they want to, and you can't make them work any faster and you just have to wait. And by the time I left and I, then I had to have my license disconnected for a time being, cause that's how it was back then. And we got back connected. I am the lucky recipient of starting a, a brokerage when TRID started. Just, oh, yeah. I mean, just, I can't even say it, but it was, it, <laughs> I don't ever want to go through that again. I, I think I had like four mini heart attacks during that time because I had no money to start my company. Like I was hand to mouth, man, hand to mouth, like fun to deal with this. I got a little help from my family, but not, not enough to deal with trade where deals were taking 60 days to get done because they were afraid how to disclose a, the CD, you know? Right. Um, so I have spent uh, nearly six years uh, having LBL, um, learning, continuing to learn lessons. Uh, when I first started during that trend, you know, and right after I, I hired millennials and I had this whole plan. This is you're going to get licensed and this is the basics. Like I had all this, this training material for them that I created and I was going to hand them the keys to the kingdom. All you got to do is go get the deal. I'll help you with the heavy lifting. And uh, that completely backfired <laughs> and nearly put me out of business. And, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than having to grovel to survive. You know, sometimes it's not worth the price of admission, but I, I almost went out of business. And, and not because I wasn't trying or I was lazy. It was just because I, I had trusted that uh, these young people wanted something that at the end of the day they didn't want. And, uh, but I made it back out. And uh, I got a lot of help from some really um, people I never thought I would. 
And uh, they said, we're not going to let you fail. And then my mentor said, hey, you know, I can't help you. I'm, I'm tight. I can't help you financially, but let me get you. Let me get you some deals here. Call this person, call this person, call this person, call this person. And uh, and she's a realtor and flips homes. And uh, so she just went into her phone book and and I, you know, I had to I had to sell the deal. And and but, you know, when somebody is, is going to hand you leads to help you survive, that's that's an amazing gift. That's commendable. Um, yeah. And, and she's still my mentor to this day. Awesome. We're family. You know, that's that's how close we are. Uh, so, uh, you know, in LBL, it's, it's you know, some years are better than others. Obviously, last year was um, crazy. I mean, biggest year of my career. And I did it behind a computer like this. And uh, so I... I, I uh, I have nothing but respect for this industry and I love, um, I love selling. I don't see myself doing anything else. Um, but there's, you know, there's been some products change, banks change, reps change, lots of things change. But at the end of the day, what we do is, is we sell loans yep. or we create an environment for somebody else to do it. It's yeah. licensed. So yeah, so no, I mean, we, we, that was kind of the quick version. Um, there's a lot of stories in there, but I know we only have so much time. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, if you if you want to be in this industry, you better you better embrace change. You know, what I mean, you, if you oh. don't, it's it's going to be a long, long career for you, or not a career at all. So, all right, so now, so now you have your LBL, right? Yes. Successful. I, I spoke to you earlier. You're producing loan officer still, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So you're still selling. You're one of the top salespeople. And, and at the end of the day, I yes, we do sell loans. And I, I understand that. You know what I mean? We also do a lot of different other things. But at the end of the day, we do sell loans. That's what we do. So how did you become as successful or, or a top salesperson like you are? Well, you know, you, you, you know, I remember the shame. And in 2008, um, you know, I, I, I ran out of money. I had to move back in with my parents. It was all embarrassing. You know, the whole world was falling apart, right? And I would tell people that I was in the mortgage business and I would get these looks and I stopped telling people because, you know, they just thought I was the devil because at that time, who, what caused the great recession in everybody's eyes? It was the brokers. The yeah, it was brokers. So, so, you know, I, I stopped, I stopped doing that. But what I realized at that time was, is that everybody had a story, how their loan officer screwed them over. And I thought, okay, like I called some of my clients and, and th that did lose, some of them did lose homes. A lot of them didn't, but some of them did. Um, and I, you know, I guess I kind of just did a, a check back in, like, do you hate my guts? Like, you know, are you going to sue me? Like, and, and what I found was, is that I always did what I said I was going to do. And there is something to that. And, and it, I think it kind of sticks to the, to the core of, of kind of like, your beliefs and here's here's a really good example if you tell somebody that this is the rate that they're going to get and this is how much approximately they're going to pay like if their fico score changes or something like that right but if there's a let's suppose your bank drops the ball you know who's who's gonna pay for that lock extension when your borrower didn't do anything wrong you just picked the wrong bank or or we just messed up 
you know? Or what if I, I didn't underwrite it correctly, you know? So do what you say you're going to do. You know, if you had to do a free deal, and I've done them, trust me, I've done them. You flip it. <laughs> you don't even flip it to borrow page. You just don't charge anything. And you just say, I'm sorry, I messed up. And, and usually if they're, you know, if there was an origination point and there's not it or whatever, you know, like the pricing all works out. But if you just, if you do what you say you're going to do and you make it right, regardless of what you've done wrong, because it's hard to tell a borrower that you messed up on their underwriting and they're not going to get that house or they're going to have to come in with more money because they don't qualify with that down payment or whatever it is, or you didn't exclude their uh, student loans correctly. And, you know, you didn't hit them for the payment. Correctly. Like there's all sorts of things where we can mess up. We're human. We make mistakes. Just do what you say you're going to do. And also if somebody tells you to lock a loan, don't try to talk them out of it. Just lock it. Right. You know, because I think sometimes we want to sound so fancy that we know so much. And the only person I think that knows so much about lock and loans and what to do is Barry Habib. Okay. So I'm not Barry. I listen to Barry. I love Barry. He's the only guru really in this industry that I trust. Um, you know, I, <laughs> so if you don't, don't try to be too cute, just if they say to do this, do it. And, and I like to tell people sometimes that, you know, in a way we're when you're, when you're selling, when you're selling loans and you're an LO, you're almost a glorified waitress or waiter because at the end of the day, it's not our job to talk people into or out of certain things about the transaction and locking alone. If somebody feels warm and fuzzy because they like the rate, but you think rates are going to go down, you can tell them that, but don't, don't try to play God because you're going to get yourself in trouble because what happens if it goes the other way? Which it, now, which it when, whenever you're trying to play it, it usually goes that that other way. Of course it does. It never works out that way. Um, so you know, just do what you say you're gonna do. Um, and and also, I always keep in the back of my mind, people do business with people they like. And I won over my mentor because uh, she sent me hundreds of loans in the last twelve years, referrals. Just here, handle them, um, and and predominantly. 75% of these are, you know, Latino, Spanish speaking. Um, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, um, but she knew that I had good rates, good fees, and I'm not ripping anybody off. And I do, I say I'm going to do. And, um, and I gained her trust with not only just doing loans, but uh, a very long time ago, I went and did a, a blitz build for uh, Habitat for Humanity down in uh, Louisiana for the, for a Katrina victim. And I took off a week of work and, you know, worked my hands to the bone and, you know, was a part of this amazing experience. And for her, she was like, wow, how selfless that was. For me, it did more for me to do that because I think giving back gives you more than what you're actually giving if you know the purpose of it. And um, and that was it for her. She's like, okay, Lauren's a good person. She does what she says she's going to do. And... So I, I, I think part of it is, is that you have to connect with people in a way where they not only trust you, but they like you. They like who you are. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and donate your time. There's a lot of people out there that might like you because you're, you have kids of the same age and you guys have same philosophies of raising them or, or whatever. But 
people do business with people they like. And that's why whenever we start talking about, and, and it's definitely an important conversation of the, the merging of large companies and how technology is coming in and um, computers, AI is going to take over our, our industry. And, and, and it's a valid, it's, it's a valid concern. Absolutely. But the human to human interaction, especially after we just spent a year being locked up where we weren't able to be with humans. No, there's an amazing opportunity for people to be able to make that human to human connection and, and to gain, gain business, gain referrals, um, gain mentors, partners, it's all out there. It's almost like the first day of school, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, um, you, you, I, I love it. You know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a very simple person and, uh, you know, I, it sounds like, you know, you're, you kind of are going down that same path. Just do what you told them you're going to do. Let them dictate kind of what happens. Just keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and sometimes you get people who are a little nervous, like, I don't know. And, and, you know, I always kind of default that I haven't been in this business this long, you know, not doing what I say I'm going to do. I didn't get, I didn't get here because I lie to people. Right. And, um, so, and there's all sorts of different ways to sell. Um, I like to call them chop shops. Okay. That's where they have inbound calls and you got a guy and it's just literally 10 bucks can send the deal <laughs> spinning, you know, and you don't get it. Um, that's a different sales. That's, that's more of that AmeriQuest like, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't do that. Um, I, uh, I just, I do, I say I'm going to do and, um, and he put stuff out there, um, you know, definitely using social media, but I love going to a new group, um, where I don't know anybody and meeting people, shaking hands or nowadays, um, you know, now there's the electronic business card, you know, things like that. Hey, let me show you this. Boom. You know, um, it's, I, I, there's, there's a lot of different ways to sell. I mean, you could buy leads. Um, definitely in my early years, I was a buyer of leads. I don't buy leads anymore. This doesn't mean I don't, you know, I will in, you know, later on in my career, but right now I'm, I'm happy with the connections that I make. And I asked, so, and, and, and there's two other things that I do that I think a lot of, um, a lot of LOs don't do. And I think also a lot of women don't do is that you got to ask for the sale. You have to, you could give the best pitch in the world. And um, my dad was a, a, a VP with Toyota and he started with them in 1907 when they were a know nothing car company. And I uh, started out as the warranty manager and he would have to go to these dealerships and sign them up and then, you know, talk about the warranties and whatnot. And he taught me about the pin and it's asking for the sale without asking for the sale. So you put the, the piece of paper and you just hand them the pin and you just say something like, Oh, all right, Bill, do you have a deal? You know? So it, there are so many different ways that you can ask for it. And obviously over the phone, it's hard because you can't hand somebody something, but you can, but you can ask them, say, do we have a deal or would you like to move forward? Do you like what my presentation has to say? Um, I, I also sell uh, reverse mortgages and okay. that's a different sale because um, you're not selling it. They already know. They already watched Tom Selleck on TV. You know, they, uh, they, they've already seen uh, who's the other guy, you know, all the guys they put up there look like they're about to die. 
And I'm just like, hey, you gotta put somebody young up there. Like, <laughs> um, and, and so with that one, I saw I had an appointment yesterday with a, a stranger. She found me uh, through my just presence on Google. And, um, and, you know, I, I spent an hour going over everything, the proposal, this is, this is what you would do, you know, if you like this, this is the next step, you know, this is the step after this, here's the questions that, you know, you have right now, when you go to counseling, you might have more questions that you don't even know you have, you know, write them down so we can talk about them. So we're not selling here. What we're doing is providing information and making people feel comfortable. And then I always tell them, and it's the truth. If you don't like this, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't like the idea of getting a reverse mortgage, you can call and tell me and you won't hurt my feelings. Right. You know, you can get out of this at any time you want. If you don't like this down the road three years from now in this little proposal here, here's an example of how, you know, how much equity you'll have. And, and so it's almost like you're, let's talk about the fears. Let's talk about these things. And in a way it is selling, but it's not, there's no pressure sale. You, right. you, you let them go home and they're going to call you when they call you. Um, so, and I get referrals from that all the time. Uh, it, it, and that's, you know, a different animal and, and that kind of like, um, if you, if I, if I think about the future of what is going to be sold in our industry, obviously, the refinance wave was super fun, right? For some people, maybe for some people it wasn't fun. That means you need to move to another company. <laughs> um, you know, if you didn't, if you if you didn't make a lot of money and you had a couple heart attacks, then it's not you; it's the company. So you know, maybe you didn't move. Um, but we we're going to get out of that, and purchases are going to be the way they are until the eviction or the. Um, sorry, the foreclosure moratorium is lifted. So until we get that, there's not a lot of inventory because people don't want to move because they don't know where to go. And it's kind of like this, it's bottlenecked. Right. Um, and so, and every day, if you're listening to Barry, the word inflation comes up. And, you know, I, I think almost some people don't even know what that means. Um, but who is inflation going to hurt the most? in 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 our country seniors they're on a fixed income so even if the person who may have talked to you about a reverse mortgage two years ago and they're like no i don't want that no you know what they're gonna need it yeah because we get to see their financials now because we have to income qualify them to make sure they can pay their taxes insurance and cost of living so there's going to be an entirely new market of of reverse mortgage borrowers that they were they didn't want it two years ago they didn't want it a year ago but they're gonna need it because you, you know a lot of people don't want to sell or they don't want to move in with their kids they don't want anything they want that independence oh um i think it's important if you want to be in this business long term that you think about the future of where are we going and i only do it because i i swear i'm traumatized from what happened to me in 2008 you know, I didn't see that coming right. and, uh, and, uh, and it laid me out and I know it laid a lot of us out. You know, there were divorces and closures and, you know, that was a, no that was a, 
that was a deep dark time right there. That was really a deep was. dark time. It was. It, it and was. So I don't. I don't ever want to go back to that deep dark time. Right. I. I, I want to. You know, and we could slow down and put. I want to be able to have um, a little bit of security. I'm gonna be honest. Didn't see a pandemic coming. Didn't see that. But uh, you know, I think only Bill Gates was the only one who saw it. So. <laughs> And he still got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, when it comes when it comes to selling and whatnot, do you what kind of what kind of networking you do? Obviously, if you're not buying leads, uh, I mean, is it just are you strictly on social media? Do you do events? Like, just give me an idea of what you do. Well, for me, um, I think the 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 best thing that I have is I'm I'm good in person. And so um, I do go to networking events. Uh, I belong to different chambers of commerce. Uh, mm -hmm. I pick different realtors, um, not all. You know, you have to be careful with, with who you try with realtors. Um, and then I just have a really big base of former clients. And they know people, and they know people, and they know people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Long Beach, California. My family's lived in the same neighborhood for 81 years. Um, you know, people know who we are. And after well, nearly 20 years of being in the mortgage business, people refer you, people call you. Um, I, I find that if I post once a month something just on my social media page, I get some type of interest. Um, I'm constantly trying to go out and meet somebody new who I think might be some type of good partner for whatever, whatever wave we're riding at the time. You know, I don't think you can be all things to all people if you want to be successful at it. That's my personal opinion. Um, but network, just get out there. Um, you know, during COVID, uh, uh, Long Beach is not necessarily the most pleasant place to live. And so uh, my partner and I decided to um, rent a place in Palm Desert because if you're going to telecommunicate, <laughs> you know, where does it matter where you really are, right? Um, and we needed space because being locked up and the only thing that, that I could do was go golfing and I love golfing and, um, I've been golfing since I was nine years old. And so we rented a house in a country club and it was super cheap because the snowbirds weren't coming in and, right. um, ended up getting to know the people at the country club and it's not a fancy one, you know, it's just regular people. And, um, Wow. The networking there. I don't know if all the mortgage people like left or what happened, but I came in at the right time. And in since you know September, you know I've probably gotten twelve loans just from golfing, right? You know, going out there. So it's those little unique opportunities, and um, and knowing what to say to them. You know, it's because it's different. I'm going to say something different when I'm at a chamber of commerce event versus what I'm going to say when I'm on the golf course with retired people that were, you know, mid to high level managers, or uh, maybe they own a couple income properties and they're super pissed off that their tenants aren't paying them after this much time or, you know, so you kind of have to know your audience of where you're at. Um, I don't want people to think that you have to join a, a club, but. <laughs> no, you got me sold. Sold. And, and here's the thing, I, I'm just going to tell you that a lot of cl country clubs or golf clubs in the United States took kind of a beating, especially if they were seasonal. Um, and so they open up, you know, memberships for no money down. If you're under 50 years old, 
they, they roll the red carpet out and they just make it as easy and cheap as possible for you to come in. And they just want you to tell your friends. And uh, so it is something that I think for those people that are in that age group that, that, that those clubs are looking for, join it, meet people. You know, you got to put yourself in front of people who are potential clients. So if you're going to events where everybody's a rent, if you're going to an event, but these people aren't networked with people who can send you business as much as you like them, this is not a good use of your time. Yeah. And, and the most valuable thing that you have in this world is your time. So yep. I just left a networking group and I was a part of it for two years. I helped start it. They made me president. Oh God, I just, you know, they make you president of something and then it's just so hard to get out of it. Right. They want you to do all the work. And, um, and you know, I got three deals in two years and it's not because they didn't want to give me business. It's just, they don't know anybody. And I, and, and I, you know, when I left, I said, we just had the biggest refi boom probably ever. And you guys, they got everything for me. I got everything from other sources. So it's okay to, to evaluate where you're spending your time and everybody spends their time in different, you know, different places. You know, I'm sure you were talking about, you know, travel baseball with your sons. Yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of um, opportunity there because there might be loan officers, but you're, you know, you're Mark Summers. Well, the, the, the funny thing about that one is that I, you know, I'm in Michigan, you know, and Quicken is right down the street and there's two parents that work for Quicken. One guy that works for PNC, but he gives me all of his deals (laughs) that, that come through that, you know, that they can't do. So it's like, Wow. Just, just like that. And, and my, my big thing has been, you know, I, I, right. I always agree with like, you know, um, I always agree with, you know, you need realtors and you need this, you need that. But at the end of the day, you got also have to be a little bit, uh, you gotta be a little bit creative of, of where you get your deals. And I coach, I coach as well, you know, and I'm getting deals from that. So yeah, I mean, you gotta be creative doing it. And it sounds like you're doing, you know, you're, you're pretty creative with how you do it. You know, I think uh, a lot of times people want to go and, and find the top real estate agent and get their business. And I tell you something, the top real estate agent is not concerned with your rates or your fees. The top real estate agents are concerned with one thing, commission. Yep. When and how fast can you get that commission to me? And it took me a very long time for me because I was like, well, I have better rates than new American funding, or I have better rates than Alpine, all right? And you guys are doing business with them. It's because they're closing them quickly without the bu- the bullshit. And so, you know, then it's like, oh, this isn't about the, the buyer or the seller. This is, this is about you, man. Oh, <laughs> now that I know this, I can, I can kind of tailor it. And, you know, the large producers probably not going to pick you up um, for a multitude of reasons. You, you and I have been in the industry long enough to know what those reasons are. There's probably some sweet little thing happening with those big corporations that yep. God knows we don't even know what it is. It's, it could be as easy as a duffel bag of money. You know, we don't know. Um, so we're not going to be able to compete. Um, I like to find the middle of the road person. Um, somebody who's been around a really long time who cares about their reputation. Cause some of these guys don't care about their reputation because as long as they can manage what it says online, they don't care. Uh so, you know, find the middle of the road person um, and be careful of the new agent. I held an event uh, right before COVID started 
and uh, with an insurance partner that I have. And, and that's a very good relationship as well. You know, we, you find one great agent that has a big book of business and make sure you send them uh, not only your own, but you're encouraging other people. And uh, we, had, we had this event, it was like a Valentine's Day, you know, like sweetheart event for the realtors. And so, of course, the new realtors came for the free food and the two free, you know, drinks mm-hmm. and that, that, that we that we, you know, provided. And there was one agent who talked to me for a while. And then so we're going to have a meeting and I'm just going to do my pitch. You're a new agent. I'm going to and, and the value that you give a new agent is how they cannot spin their wheels with bad clients. You need to know who's your client and who's not. Who's a looky loo and who's who's bought into you and going to, you know, going to do this. Um, and who's the decision maker in the family? Is it the wife? Is it the husband? Is it the mom? Is it the person gifting them the money? Like you need to figure out that dynamic. And that's the person that you're going to have the most uh, connection with. Right. Um, and, and what I figured out with this was that she was friends on Facebook with every loan officer in town. Well, why do you need me? You've literally talked to all these other people. I'm not going to give you anything different. And, and it was so, so I learned another lesson and, and, and that's what I let myself do. I let myself learn lessons. I I don't know it all. You know, next year we we could have robots, you know, serving us. I I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm not going to waste my time. And, and I think if, especially for those new LOs that are, um, they were heavy on the refinance and now they're trying to go out and like meet those realtors and, and, and mingle, you know, you, you almost got, you have to get good at turning people down, right. which is a skill like I learned at AmeriQuest. Your, my manager would come and you'd have these files. Cause you know, we had the taco stands, right. Remember? And I'd have other files stacked over here. And he's like, what's this? What's this? What's this? You know, that's not a deal. And you literally just throw it, you know, and then everybody's looking because your manager's kind of beating you up. And um, again, not not appropriate workspace. Um, <laughs> right. You know, right. But this was a different time. So, you know, back then they could tell you you were a mother effer and, you know, you suck and and, you know, your job's on the line. You get a warning, you know, you know that stuff. Um, but But I learned how to turn down a file. So even if I thought that I could like, if I do this and I do that and, and, and if I increase their credit and I, eh, no, Mm-mm. no, not gonna you work. have to find a reason to turn a file down on your desk. Yeah. Or no, I your just, you're, you're so right. And that sometimes we just have to say no, or just walk them through why it's a no and where else. Yeah. I 100% agree with you because then you just spin your wheels and you make it a bad, you make it a bad loan. You know what I mean? You make it a bad experience. You do. You make it a bad experience and your heart's in the right place. And every time I get caught and I get pinched on something where I'm like, I just ask myself, Lauren, why did you take that deal on? You should have just said no. And it's always like somebody I know and, you know, trying to help their family member out. And it's like, what do I just do? How did I get us into this? Yeah. Because I want to be a superwoman. (laughs) Well, I think I know where you're going to go with this because we've got about two minutes left here. Um, I always like to, you know, give you the floor and say, hey, what advice you want to give to the community? What advice would you like to give to an up and coming loan officer, an experienced loan officer? I don't care which way you want to go with this, but what's what's the what's the one tip or piece of advice you would love to give to the community? 
Um, well, I think it's, it's twofold. One, for the experienced brokers out there like us, we have to help the, the, the newer people, the, 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 the young ones. We have to help them. Not because we're going to get them as loan officers or we're going to get any kind of piece of anything. We have to do it because we have to hold our market share. When the new res and caliber merge, that's not a good thing for us. Even though they say it is, it's not. Because how many times over the last 35 years have corporations merged together and they just pushed the mom pause out? Just right. overnight, right? So we need to keep these people engaged while refis go down and purchases kind of stay stagnant. We need to be there for them. I'm doing a, a every Wednesday podcast on different stuff for the ladies group, you know, uh, just just because I want I don't want them to leave because I read the comments and some of these women are like, I don't know where to get this and where do I, you know, where do I network and how do I, you know, it's the sales part of it all. And we need to help them. You know, if somebody's if, if, if the young person out there, you know, young in our industry, it needs help. It, I believe it's our job if we want to continue to have the market share and the, the choices that we have, the rates that we have. We have rates that we have because we produce volume. Without volume, it doesn't exist. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go back to work for a mortgage banker. No way, no how. <laughs> no one's going to put me in one little pond and tell me what to do. They're not. And you you know that. And so we we literally have to kind of suck it up and – and so I'm just going to spend an hour every Wednesday, do a recording. It's very basic. Okay. There's no, no, no trick. You know, it's not even fancy like this. And I'm just going to pick different topics every week. This week's going to be the four different elevator pitches that you need because you need to know your audience. Cause you got to have a different one for realtors, different one for somebody right. who doesn't really understand the process. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's experienced broker owners. Like you got to pull your, you got to pull your weight. You know. and this is this is nothing against any other guests i've had i've loved every single one of my guests but that was one of the that, that goes in one of my top three right there of uh you know advice for for the community because you're right i mean you're 100 right and there's a lot of new people coming in this community and i don't want anyone to feel threatened there's 80 percent of business out there to go get you know what i mean so don't feel threatened let's go help each other and it's just going to make all of us better it's going to make all of us better and the second thing i'm going to say is don't be a one-trick pony and I know that the older loan officer, whether there's time in the business, is afraid of this product, but the reverse mortgage <laughs> is going to be something that people want. And they might not want it now, but if you start planting the seed, because inflation has already come, it's, all, it's already here. And these people are already being squeezed in different areas. I mean, when I looked at this woman's financials yesterday, and thank God she's going to do this, but she only wanted to borrow so much money on the fixed option. And I was, it broke my heart. I'm like, you live off of this much a month? Like, it broke my heart. And she right. goes, no, I do. And I'm like, no. So, so there's, there's opportunity out there. And it's uncomfortable and it's something you've never done before and you probably feel stupid about it. Well, guess what? That's life. You think you know something? You can't sit back and be like, I'm just going to hang out and sell refis and talk to my realtors. No, you got to get out there. You got to learn something new. And, 
you know, it's like changing your golf swing. It's so uncomfortable. Right. I changed mine, but it completely changed my game. I've been playing my whole life. So I want the the more experienced loan officer, dude, you need to get uncomfortable. Because you're not going to survive. You're going to get pushed out. You're going to be bye-bye. <laughs> so, I mean, it's happening. You're, you, you're going to become irrelevant. And so that's my advice but mostly let's help these let's help these newbies come on is that you're not going to get any financial gain from it probably but what are you going to do well you're going to feel good about yourself and well you know that never that never hurts right so lauren that's awesome stuff great stuff you know before i close this out i just want to thank you once again for the time that you've spent with us a lot of great information in there um Next time we're in the same city, I'm going to challenge you to a golf game. I want to, I got to get out there with you. So hey, come uh, on down to Palm Desert and I'll take you out. We'll play. Let's go. We'll play skins. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold you to that. I'll even play on the blues with you. Let's go. Love it. Actually, I love my it. Swing. I got to fight the drive. <laughs> I love it. All <laughs> right. So, hey, Lauren, once again, thank you so much. And and everyone that's listening, thank you for joining us today. Um, and and all you other brokers out there, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So do me a favor. Please rate our podcast. Please subscribe to it. Leave a review. It helps us get the podcast out there and spread the word that brokers are better. Lauren, and you're a perfect example of this. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, Mark. We appreciate it. Spread the word about the Brokers Are Better movement by wearing our t-shirts. Head over to aimgroup.com to buy your Brokers Are Better t-shirts and find lots of other items perfect for yourself, your team, and your community.